Isaiah 1 and 2. Before we read, let's pray. We're not here just to uh, check the box. So we went to church, right? We're not. We we want to hear from Him and uh, want to see Him. So agree with me right now in faith and in prayer for that. Father, in the name of Jesus, all of us agree together here and in Branson and watching online, asking you for utterance, asking you for the anointing, for your grace, for your Holy Spirit, that your word would come forth, that we would hear you, that we would see you exactly what we need to hear right now, answers and direction and help for right now. We ask for it, we believe for it, and we thank you. And we say ahead of time, we'll not just ignore it, but we'll do it and put it into practice. And as surely as we do that, good things are going to happen. You always watch over your word and perform it in our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sit out loud, I'm a I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. Thank you, Lord. In Isaiah 1 and verse 2, he said, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I've nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Verse 3, The ox knows his owner, the ass his master's crib, but Israel does not know, my people does not consider, the one translation says they don't understand. If you skip down to verse 19, he said, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. it. You know, uh, one of the biggest lies that is perpetuated in religion, and I'm talking about Christian, Christianity, religions, religious activity, is the idea that God is in complete control. (laughs) That is one of the most damaging things to humanity. So, well, he is in complete control. He's not controlling every individual. If you want to say that God's in control and that ultimately uh, what happens with the earth and with humanity is going to achieve the result he ordained, yes. But that doesn't mean that he's going to make you do or me do what we should do. Even though it was his will and plan for us to be involved in accomplishing his purposes. We don't have to do it. We can procrastinate and never do it. That doesn't mean his plan won't get accomplished. He'll use somebody else that will. But God is not going to make you or me or anyone. Receive him, believe in Jesus, obey him. So this idea of that everything that happens is is the will of God. 
is simply not true. He's not willing that any should perish. Is that scripture? Are people perishing? Yes. All kind of things are happening on this planet that are not the will of God. Killing, stealing, destroying, all the cruelty, all the pain that's in the earth is here, not because it was God's plan and God's will. It's here because man has been truly created with the right to choose and a completely free will. And man has chosen to rebel against God and disobey him. And the wages of sin is death and the following destruction. If God is completely in control of everything, there can be no if. Did anybody hear that? Do you know what I, what I mean by that? Read these scriptures again. Verse 19. Verse 19, what does it say? If if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Verse 20, what does it say? But if, if God's controlling everything, you can't have this. There can be no if. It's just going to be the will of God's going to be done. No matter what you do or what you don't do or believe or don't believe. But that's just not true. It wasn't God's choice whether you ate raisin bran or cornflakes this morning. That was your choice. It wasn't his choice whether you came or not today. You didn't have to come. Nobody in here had to come today, including me. You don't have to do anything. God's not going to make you, even though... It can cost you terribly. He's not going to make us do what we should do, what we ought to do. Oh, but if you you have some wisdom, if you have some understanding, then you know who your God is. Right? And you, nobody's making you, you submit yourself to him. You believe, nobody's making you, you believe in him and choose to follow him and obey him. And if you do, somebody help me out, verse 19. If you do, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Other translations say the best of the land. The best. Uh, I'll get you the good things of the land, one says. You'll eat the best from the land, another says. One says, I'll make you rich. Well, the good stuff, who's it made for? The nice houses. Is that only for unbelievers? Hmm? Is it for everybody? <laughs> nope. <laughs> if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Do you believe, anybody believe this verse in here? That if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good. Well, what if you're not eating the good of the land? It would be a good place to check up. Right? How are we doing? Uh, Job 36 says a similar thing. Job 36.11 says, If they obey and serve him, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Verse 12, But if they obey not, they'll perish by the sword and they'll die without knowledge. 
Now, without taking the time to go into things we've covered previously, uh, you know, James says, well, excuse me, Peter, First Peter says, uh, you have an adversary, we have an adversary, the devil, who goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so we, there's some he may devour and some he may not. What determines that? Who he may devour? Well, previous verses were talking about humility and submission. And, and Timothy talked about uh, if you yield to pride, you can fall into the same condemnation and judgment that the devil did. The same thing happened to him. And this is an eye-opening thing. What, who, whom may he devour? Those he can get to be like him. If he can get you to yield to be rebellious and defiant and disobedient, then he knows the same thing that happened to him will happen to you. You'll get judged. But if you'll be willing and obedient, you won't get judged. And if you judge yourself, you won't be judged. Look in Matthew, please. Y'all believing with me this morning? Matthew. The 11th chapter. If. Actually there's a play on the words there. If you, you look it up in those like. Translations like Young's literal. It says this. It says if you're willing and obedient. You'll consume the good of the land. And then it goes on to say. If you uh, rebel. Etc. Then you will be consumed. There's a play on the words there. How many want to be a consumer of good things? <laughs> How many want to be consumed, <laughs> be devoured, be destroyed by the enemy? Well, what's the difference in this? According to the scripture, what's the difference? Being willing and obedient versus being rebellious and, and disobedient. Now, people see nothing wrong with stubbornness. And defiance. In the world, that's something people are proud of. They're proud of how independent they are. And nobody can tell me what to do. And I'm nobody's doormat. I'm my own man. Well, then you ain't God's man. <laughs> I'm a self-made man. Well, you ain't much. <laughs> if you did it all yourself. <laughs> We're going to be okay or not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if we really have understanding, then we will acknowledge with some humility whose planet we're standing on, <laughs> whose sunlight we're benefiting from, whose air fills our lungs. Hmm? He said the donkey knows its owner, right? <laughs> The livestock, no. He said, people are, basically, people ought to know who their God is. Right? right? Yeah. People ought to know. And that's why so many on the planet have chosen not to believe in God. Because if you acknowledge that He's real, you should submit to Him. You should seek to follow His plan for your life. And, there, and, and the, the God of this world 
is actually the devil. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says so. And Ephesians says the spirit of disobedience is, is, is throughout the generation, throughout the earth. So you, you don't have to do anything to be rebellious except wake up in the morning <laughs> and act like you feel. <laughs> and go with the flow in the world around about you and you will have attitude. You will have attitude. And I'm telling you, God hates it. He hates pride and rebellion. Now, he loves people, even though they may be proud, but he hates the pride. And you and I, why? Because that's the nature of his enemy. That's the nature of the devil himself. This rebellious, this defiant, this you can't make me, this I won't do it. Hmm? You don't want to be like that. That's being like the enemy. In Matthew 11, we see what you want to be like. Matthew 11, are you there? Let's, let's start about verse 20. Matthew 11:20. 20. Jesus began to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. Why? Why? Because they didn't repent. Verse 21. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which are done in you had been done in Tyre and Zidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Now, any of us can be ignorant and make a mistake. But if your heart's right, if you've got a good heart, when you see you're wrong, you'll repent. Amen. And you'll do everything you can to make it right. If when you see you're wrong, you refuse to repent, that shows a heart problem. Hmm? That's not just ignorance. That's a heart problem. And that's what he's saying to them. When God's done good things for you, you ought not get haughty. You ought to humble yourself and be more thankful. And if you've been wrong, you repent. But they didn't. Verse 23. You, Capernaum, you've exalted to heaven. You'll be brought down to hell. If the mighty works which had been done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. Now, what a thought that is. He said, if the things that have happened in you, the miracles, the signs and wonders, had happened in Sodom, it'd still be around. That why? Because they'd have repented. They'd have repented. Keep going. It'll be more tolerable in the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Because they wouldn't repent. At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hid these things from the wise and prudent and you've revealed them unto babes. Keep going. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All these things are delivered to me of my Father. No man knows the, fa- the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. You, you're not okay with God without Jesus. There's only one way to the Father. And that's by Jesus. And if you don't receive Jesus, you don't have God. I, I know that's not politically correct. But it's the Bible. It's what Jesus said. Come unto me, he said, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you 
rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now I'm I'm believing, and you just prayed with me, we're believing together for the revelation of this. Do you want to be like Jesus? Or do you want to be like the devil? Now that might seem like an easy question to answer. But what's the devil like? What's his nature? What's his character? He is the rebel. He is defiant. He is the proudest being around. He's proud. There is no good pride. People say, well, you know, some pride is good. No, no pride is good. Thankfulness is good. But pride, no pride is good. And, and arrogance, it's the enemy. And all of it comes from him. And that's why the world is full of it. But Jesus is not that way. How is he? Help me out, saints. How, how is the master? He said, come and learn of me. Let me read the Amplified. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart, and you'll find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet for your soul. How, how is Jesus? Jesus is not just a, a storybook character. He's real. Hmm? And uh, those of you that are born again, which I believe is most of you, you've met him. Now that doesn't mean you know everything about him, but you've met him. And this is how he is. He, he's not intimidating he won't do, he does, doesn't demean you he himself is the most amazing being and yet he is so easy to be around <laughs> he could blow you away with his wisdom and his knowledge and his power <laughs> he could rattle off a list from here to the back door of all the things you need to fix. <laughs> and get right. He could overwhelm you in a moment. And you'd go, oh God, just put me out of my misery. Huh? <laughs> but he won't do that. He's kind. He's gracious. Merciful. He's good. If he's that way, how should we be? Hmm? How should we be? And yet, it does not make him weak. See, many have not desired to learn about humility. They've not de- desired to learn about meekness because to them, that's just being weak. I don't want to be weak. I want to be strong. And they think being strong is got to have my way. Don't listen to anybody. I'm strong. <laughs> no, you're, you're like the enemy. 
You're acting like him. You're rebellious. It actually takes more strength to submit than it does to rebel. And one of the biggest things, and this this hasn't been readily seen, one of the biggest reasons why people don't submit is because of lack of faith, lack of trust. When the Lord told the uh, first generation of Israelites to go into the promised land, anybody remember the story? They wouldn't, they didn't go. Uh, Joshua and Caleb warned them, they said, don't be afraid of the giants and don't rebel against God. Why did they rebel against God? Hebrews said they didn't go in because of unbelief. They rebelled because of fear and unbelief. They didn't submit and obey because they didn't trust. Now, I may sound a little redundant this morning because just because you heard that just now doesn't mean you've got that. Is everybody awake? Are you... Are you with me? What's a big reason why people don't submit? Why they don't obey? Because they don't trust. They don't trust. There's two basic causes of unbelief. Do you want to hear about them? Two basic reasons why people don't, don't believe. One is ignorance. Just not knowing. Uh, in 1 Timothy 1 and 13. They'll put it on the screen for us. 1 Timothy 1 13. Paul said, talking about himself, he said, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was injurious. Do y'all know what he's talking about? This is back when he was Saul, not Paul. And he was a persecutor of the church. He would go And drag Christians out of their house. And lock them up in jail. He thought he was doing God a favor. By getting rid of this sect. This cult. This Jesus cult. But he said I obtained mercy. And he did didn't he? Because I did it what? Ignorantly. In unbelief. So he was in unbelief. But why? Just ignorant. He really thought he was helping God out. Ridding God of this Christian virus. <laughs> Stamping it out. He, I mean, he was breathing out threatenings. He, he, was, he was on a mission to stamp out the church. Oh, but when he got saved, he was completely turned around. And he worked harder to build the church. So it was ignorance. It was darkness. It was deception and confusion. But there's also another big reason for unbelief. And it's, we'd call it this, unpersuadableness. In Mark 16 and 14, Jesus Uh, appeared to the eleven, this is after he's raised from the dead, and he upbraided them with their what? Unbelief, this is uh, Mark 16, 14, it's on the screen, 
with their unbelief and their what? Hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Were they not aware, had nobody told them that he had risen from the dead? They had told them. And Jesus told them it was going to happen before he went. So why are they not believing? This is not ignorance. Come on, can you see this? What is this? This is a refusal to let yourself be persuaded. This is not innocent. This is not ignorant. This is rebellion. That's why he upbraided them. Because you know it. You heard it. And yet you just refuse to believe it. You see why I said I'm going to be a little redundant. I'm going to keep going over this. Because people hadn't always thought this way. Unbelief. Can you see now why oftentimes the Lord would reprove people for their unbelief? They didn't need a hug. <laughs> if anything, they needed a spanking. You may know what I'm talking about. Why? Because you saw it. You heard it. All you got to do is choose to believe it. But they're choosing not to. That's what happened with that first generation of Israelites. Uh, they saw the, the signs and wonders in Egypt. They saw amazing things. And the Lord said, here's the land. Go in and possess it. And they said, no. Uh, we can't. What do you mean we can't? Didn't you just see what God did? Faith is a choice. I said faith is a choice. But again and again, people have not done what the Lord said do. Because they were afraid to do it. But it wasn't innocent. It's rebellion. If you trusted him, you would do it. If you trusted him, you'd submit to those that he's put over you, trusting that he knows best and he'll take care of you, even if they mess up and don't do everything right. But if you don't trust him enough, then no, you've got to take it into your own hands and you've got to take care of it yourself. And without saying so or even realizing all fully what you're saying, you're saying, Lord, I can't trust you with that. I'm going to take care of this myself. And that's rebellion. That's defiance. How is the master? Tell me again his character. Meek and lowly of heart. Go to Romans 4. And let's see a good example of somebody who's the opposite of what we're talking about. Thank you, Lord. While we're going there, uh, you're going there, but we'll put up some some scriptures on the screen. And I just want to take you through a couple of things uh, with the Master to show the examples of his humility. In Luke 2.51, don't, don't turn to these, just look, look up at the screen. Luke 2.51, you remember when Jesus was very young and his parents lost him for a while. And they found him at the temple talking and discussing the, uh, the word. And uh, his mother, we'd say, jumped on him a little bit and said, uh, Son, did, what have you done to us? Didn't, and he said... Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? But notice what happened. Verse 51. 
He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was what? Subject to him. Subject to them. Uh, If any boy, child, young person ever had a right to disobey their parents because they knew more, it'd be right here. But that'd be contrary to the word. And that'd be contrary to the master's character. What did he do? He submitted to his mother and father and left the temple and went back home with them and did what he was instructed to do. Hmm? Y'all with me, friends? Meek, lowly of heart. The Bible said, honor your mother and father. And that's what he did. We see that when it came time for him to be baptized, John the Baptist said, no, no, no. He said, I need you to baptize me. Anybody remember that? And Jesus said, suffer it to be so. It it behooves us to to fulfill all righteousness. He said, no, do it. And so he did. uh, If anybody could could have said, well, he doesn't need to be baptized. He's good like he is. It would have been the master. But no. He said, no, we need to. Do you remember that? He said in Luke 22, uh, 27, he said, whether, whether is greater, he that sits at meat or he that serves. It's is not he, he that sits at meat, but I am among you as he that serves, Jesus said. He said, the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. I'm believing. Are you believing with me? I'm believing we get a revelation. And we see the evil of defiance and rebellion. We see it's the nature of the devil. And we see the nature of our master. Humility. And not be conformed to this ungodly world around us, but be like him. How many really want to be like the master? Do you want to be like him? Hmm? Then pray pray it out loud. Say, Father God, God, help me to see see the evil evil of pride pride and defiance and rebellion. rebellion. Any of that that's that's been in me that I've yielded to, to. help me to see it. it. I don't want to be like that. That's like the devil. That's like the ungodly world. As you help me, I'll resist it. I'll stop being like that. Jesus' name. And help us, Lord, to see how the, how the master really is. Right? To see, not, not some religious you know, idea of, of what he is, how he really is. How many are believing to see the real Jesus? The real Jesus. Well, he told us how he is. He said, learn about me. Of all the things he could have said, he could have said, I walk in the wisdom of God. He could have said, I walk in the power. He could have said all kind of amazing things. He could have said, I'm holy. I'm pure. At that one juncture, what did he say? Meek. Learn to be like me, one translation says. Learn to be like me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. That doesn't mean weak. It doesn't mean condemned. You can't separate humility 
from honesty. And you can't separate humility from thankfulness. You show me a humble person, I'll show you an honest person. Show me a humble person, I'll show you a thankful person. The more good things happen for you, don't start bragging. Start thanking God. Is that right? And if somebody tries to give you glory and make you into something that you're not, don't lie. Don't let them lie. Tell the truth. Is that right? Tell the truth. Tell the truth about everything. No exceptions. Is that Jesus? Would Jesus ever exaggerate something to you? Would he ever take credit for something? Did you know he never took credit for one message he preached? Or for one healing that happened in his ministry? He said, the Father did it. The Father in me. He does. Didn't he say that? He said, I can't of my own self do nothing. Honest. Is humble. Thankful. Is humble. You remember at one point, right before Jesus left, he, uh, uh, at what we call the, the supper, he laid aside his garments and got some water and washed their feet. He said, you call me Lord and Master, and you say, right, because I am. But if I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet like, like a servant, like a lowly servant, he said, you ought to do the same for each other. Do you want to be like the master? You want to be like Jesus? The results of that is promotion and glory. In God's kingdom, the way up is down. If you exalt yourself, you'll be abased. But if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. Didn't Jesus say this? If you push yourself and, 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 and try to portray that you're something that you're not and, and don't take responsibility for things that are your fault and, and do take credit for things that are not your, your doing, you go down. You won't go up. But if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. Look, I know you're, you're holding a place there, but go to Philippians 2. Go to Philippians 2 and look at one of the most amazing passages of Scripture. Philippians 2. Are you okay? Philippians 2. In verse 1. He said, if there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Uh, the proverb says, contention comes, strife comes rather by Pride, contention and strife by pride. So many fights could never get started. If at least one of the sides wouldn't participate. And wouldn't yield to pride and anger 
and would just humble themselves. Hmm? So many times if you just say, well, you know, I, I, I believe I'm, I'm right about this, but I don't know everything. And, and the parts I don't know, I could be wrong about. And I don't claim that I've come across and even the things that, are, that were right, that I handled it the best way or was the most gracious. Just some humility. Instead of, I'm right, you're wrong. I win, you lose. That's just pride. I said, that's just pride. And that's not like the Lord. He's not like that. So many fights would be stopped before they broke out. Or even if they had progressed, would be be like throwing some water on them. If it just at least one person would humble themselves and admit the truth. And the truth is, a lot of times neither one of you remember how it started. And neither one of you is 100% about everything that was said and done. Well, I know. (laughs) In Philippians, keep reading. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other as good as themselves. Oh. How are you going to really do that? It's easy if you'll be honest. You know all about your faults and shortcomings. You don't know all of theirs. So it shouldn't be that hard. If you're honest. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Now you talk about humbling yourself. We really have no idea what it would be like to leave glory with the Father and come down here and be born a man with all the limitations of a man. We we don't know what that that would be like. I'm convinced one of the reasons we don't have a lot in the Bible about heaven is to make it easier on us. <laughs> if you really knew much about it, you wouldn't want to stay here another hour. <clears throat> but Jesus came, and he didn't come as a king. When he, when he made his grand entrance, it was on a little donkey. Not a war horse. Not a big procession. Is that right? He allowed himself to be cursed and mocked and scourged, and crucified, and spit on. And he said, don't you know I could call on the Father for a legion of angels right now? It took some kind of strength to exercise that kind of humility. And why did he do it? Because the Father asked him to do it. Told him to do it. That's In the garden, that's what that was about. Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. 
He submitted and obeyed. He was willing and obedient. Why? Because he trusted the Father. Come on, can you see this? He trusted the Father that even in death, he would have victory. And he did. Was he tempted? He was tempted. But in the end, he was persuadable and he was obedient. It says it right here. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Everybody say he humbled himself. And he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Is this your example? See, the world doesn't exalt things like this, do they? They they see this as defeat. They see this as weakness. Should have stood up for himself. Should have fought. Well, he could have. That's what he said. He said, I could call on legions of angels right now. How many believe that's true? That thing could have been changed just like that. He could have been off that cross in the blink of an eye. There could have been myriads of angels. And he could have turned that place upside down. But if he had her, you would not be lost. We'd be lost. His humility and his obedience made the difference in somebody else's life. <clears throat> He's our example. The Bible said, fulfill, bear you one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. We can do the same kind of thing. Through our humility, through our faith, through our submission, through our obedience, it can make a big difference in somebody else's life. Do you believe it or not? You don't hear us talk about this a whole lot. But Phyllis and I have had numerous opportunities to not obey. We, the, the, we've been in numerous situations over these past 35 years to not submit. We don't talk about it. That's not the thing to, to go into detail about. But oh, there are numerous places where we could have rose up and said, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I don't have to stay. No, I don't have to do that. There were several things we've done in ministry that initially we didn't want to do. But if we hadn't done them, I'd, let, me, let me mention one of them. Pastoring. <laughs> It's, I respected the office, but I was, I, Phyllis and I were traveling ministers. We ministered in other ways, and we, and we liked it, and we were full-time in it, and we were busy in it. And I didn't think that was my call. I struggled with that. And other people had said and, and felt free to tell me, you're not a pastor. <laughs> and I hadn't been. And to tell me, you know... Uh, you, there's no such thing as somebody who operates in these ministry gifts and this ministry gift. You can't be both. And I struggled with that. We were in Branson before there was a church there in a little condo. And I was looking out the window praying. And I was struggling with this. And I thought, Lord, what about this? Can you do both? Can you do this? And the Lord said, 
He spoke to my heart. He said, I was. <laughs> he was an apostle and a prophet and an evangelist and a pastor. Is that right? And a t- Was he all of it? He, he said, I was. I said, yes, sir. He said, Keith, quit trying to figure this out. Just do what I'm telling you to do. Do it for me. <laughs> so I quit trying to figure it out. And here we are. Hallelujah. What am I saying? What if we had disobeyed? Could it have affected somebody else? Well, the same thing is true with you. Jesus' obedience. and See, this is the, the way the enemy is. Why does he work so hard on you to get you to def- be defiant, stubborn, rebellious? Why? It's not just so he can say, goody, goody, got you to do it. It's because you don't know the fruit of your obedience. He has a glimpse of it. And he knows it's easier to crush an acorn than it is an oak tree. And if he can just get you to never obey, there's all kind of things that are never going to happen. And that's why you'll be so tempted not to do it. Oh, is anybody awake this morning? Which is all the more reason. Look at Jesus. Was Jesus tempted not to do it? What's he praying in the garden? He's sweating. uh, Blood's coming out of his pores. He's saying, Father, all things are possible with you. Let this cup pass from me. Is he tempted not to do it? None of us have been tempted to the point of blood coming out of our pores. But what would have happened if he hadn't obeyed? What would have happened? It would have affected all mankind. So Jesus overcame that. And he submitted. And he obeyed. And he humbled himself. And we're all saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And on lesser levels, the same thing happens with us. If we don't obey, we don't find out. Whose life our obedience would have touched. It could be as simple as you just obeying to go to church like you did this morning. It can be as simple. You might say, really? Yeah. Your neighbor's watching you. Your friends are watching you. Your co-workers are watching you. And just them seeing that this means something to you could eventually wind up influencing them so that they think, well, maybe I need to check it out. Come on, can you see this? And one thing leads to another, and they get saved. They get right with God. Their life gets turned around. We have no idea if we disobey what didn't happen, what wasn't affected. Notice what happened, though. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. What happened? Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Hallelujah. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, do you see how it works? The greatest humbled himself the most and has been exalted to the highest. 
If you'll humble yourself, you'll be exalted. You'll be promoted. If we yield to rebellion and stubbornness and disobedience, the enemy can devour us. We'll experience destruction. And we won't have the fruit. Our lives won't be influencing others the way it should. But if we'll overcome the flesh, resist this pressure of the world to be independent and defiant and rebellious and disobedient. If we humble ourselves, God's not going to make you. You have to do it yourself. If we humble ourselves and submit and obey, it'll put you in a powerful position. Submit yourself to God. What's the rest of that verse say? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It'll put you in a position of power and authority, which is why the devil fights it so hard. And you will be promoted. The more you humble yourself, the more you submit, the more you obey, then the Lord, not you, not man, the Lord is going to promote you. The Lord is going to bring you up. The Lord is going to put you forward. Hallelujah. You'll walk in dominion. You'll walk in victory. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Somebody say, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We have described how Jesus became a man. And he humbled himself even to death, the death of the cross. We want to receive communion together this morning in honor of that. And... As we receive communion, let's believe him and receive grace to become more like him. 